I think for a lot of other professions, there is this really clear path and it leads to the chief something or other. And even that chief something or other, financial officer, marketing officer, whatever, ultimately leads to the CEO role. I I don't think it's completely clear to go from CISO to another C-suite role. And I don't think we've got mentors who know who've thought about it. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch podcast. That's my friend Helen Patton, advisory CISO at Cisco and former CISO at Ohio State University, talking about the career path of the CISO and the fact that we don't seem to have one really defined for us. What comes after CISO? We're having a great conversation on the subject and explore a lot of paths and possibilities here, including the paths chosen by CISO friends of ours. Helen, thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch to have this conversation with me. Thanks for having me, Alan. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. All right. So why don't you briefly tell us a little bit about your background in cyber and a little bit about your day job? So I started in tech in the 90s, but didn't really get into security until the early 2000s and spent most of the 2000s to the 2013s at JP Morgan doing security for them. A lot of it on the business risk side, more than cyber aside. And I left there and I became the CISO at Ohio State. And I was the CISO there for about eight years and then recently left there. And now I've joined as an advisory CISO at Cisco. The advisory CISO role at Cisco is interesting. It, it is not a sales role, which is an interesting thing. It is that's definitely a, That's on, a good thing. Yeah. It's on the dark side. I am. I joined a vendor, but- It is really more around thought leadership out to the community, but also then taking what the community is thinking and helping Cisco think about those things in their strategic product direction, how they think about marketing to CISOs, those kinds of things. My role is to make the CISO successful. So that's, that's what we do. So some of it's research, a lot of it's public speaking, and a lot of it is sort of think tanky hang out with other really smart people and try and work out what this industry is really all about, what it's doing. I love it. That's what we try to do on this show. Hang out with smart people and figure out what this industry is about. That's (laughs) in fact, that should be my byline. Figuring out what this industry is about. That should be the byline. (laughs) You and I were chatting earlier and I think there's kind of a problem statement we've thrown on the table, which is that, you know, once you've made CISO and you've been a CISO, there's no standard path after that. Like what is the post CISO life? Do you just keep re-upping and being a CISO more than once? Like I've done. Um, do you, like, I've seen some folks do the, well, I'm going to be a CISO at a bigger place and then a bigger place and then a bigger place and sort of have this trajectory of growth where they remain a CISO, but tackle larger and larger organizations. There's all kinds of weird approaches, but at the end of the day, there's no true post CISO lifestyle that's been defined for us here. Is that a, does does that sound like a fair problem statement? It's a, it's a very fair problem statement. And I think part of the challenge of that problem is that I think for a lot of other professions, there is this really clear path and it leads to the chief something or other. And even that chief something or other, financial officer, marketing officer, whatever, ultimately leads to the CEO role. And certainly for CISOs who are reporting into the CIO, I think one of the questions they have to ask themselves is, do they want to get out of a purely security role and go to another technology role that may have some influence over security or do they want to stay sort of firmly in the security space. 
I think I offended my previous management when I said, hell no, I don't want to be a CIO. Like that, that's not, I wanted to stay firmly in security. And my boss was like, who was a CIO was like, what am I, chop liver? So I don't think it's completely clear to go from CISO to another C-suite role. And I don't think we've got mentors who know, who've thought about it. So it's an answer you have to find for yourself. I don't, you know, I just don't think it's clear yet. Yeah, and I've I've seen that transition before to CISO becomes CIO, and I've seen it happen not even so much as a career progression, as much as uh, something comes up and they need someone to do it, and they figure, hey, this person can dual hat it. Congrats, you're now slash CIO. <laughs> I've seen that happen to more than one CISO, and I've seen their uh, their lives go downhill very quickly as a result of that. Yeah. We, we always joke in security about having this thankless mission that nobody cares about security. And here we are fighting, you know, punching walls and, and, and fighting our way up. And yet the CIO, I think, suffers more backlash and more ennui from the general community than we do. And that's, that's my first use of the word ennui on my show. Hopefully the last, but okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. So I think, you know, I think that's part of it. There's, there's, a, there's a dispassionate audience who only cares when things are going south and then they're in your office in a heartbeat who don't care when things are going well. And, and we say that about security, but the reality is most CISOs can get through a tenure without a major breach. Yeah, most of us do. Most sure. CIOs cannot get through their tenure without a major outage. No, for sure. <laughs> and so it's the same stuff, but they get beat up way more than we do. They really yep. do. So it's like, oh, I've, I've got the job where I'm already a punching bag, and now I can upgrade to the job where I'm a bigger punching bag. Yeah. That just doesn't seem like a viable option to no. me. No. So so what about these other exits? We've talked about it. Like, you're an advisory CISO. I'm yeah. a vendor CISO. I have been a vendor CISO before. I've been a delivery CISO. We've got friends that are VCSOs. We've got friends that are consulting CISOs. We've got friends that are consulting CISOs for venture capital firms. There's all these other twists on CISO that seem to be an available avenue for post-CISO life. Sure. Uh, what's your take on all of those? Like, like you've been in the advisory CISO role for a little while now, and you've got yeah. friends in these other roles. Like, what's, what's your take on that whole multi-path world? Well, I think because there's no standard way to CISO, it makes sense that there's not a standard life after CISO way either. I think some of it comes down to how old a person is, how long they've been in the industry. I've seen some people who actually didn't spend a whole bunch of time in the security space, not in a CISO role, and they very quickly made it into a CISO role where maybe they're in a smaller startup or a mid-level company and they got the title, which is great, and they got their the scars on their back and that's great, but they don't feel like they're all the way through their career yet. And so for them, I think it's a more obvious choice to say, I'm going to take a bigger CISO role or I'm going to grow the scope of my role. And so I go from CISO role to CISO role. And I think this mm -hmm. is where you, particularly where you see people who are only in role for a couple of years, they're not jumping to something completely different. They're jumping to a different kind of CISO role. So I, I think there's a, how long have I been in the industry side of it? Mm -hmm. And then I think there are people like me who are like, well, I've, been doing this security thing for 20 years. I've been a CISO for eight of those 20. Do I really want to be doing this again? And mm -hmm. and my answer for myself was, yeah, no, it's time for a break. And so I, so I didn't want to be in any kind of operational role or even any role where I had outage or incident responsibilities. I, I was ready to be done with being on call. And so right. looking for something that wasn't that was really appealing to me. 
but I wanted to be in a space where I could give, I could continue to be part of the community, but take all the lessons that I'd learned and give that back. And so the advisory CISO role and that kind of role is really appealing to me in that sense is that I can still have influence over the community, maybe bigger than the organization that I was in. I mean, Ohio State's really big in higher ed, but everybody else is like, Ohio who? And so now I'm in a role where I, where people go, oh, yeah, well, we know who Cisco is and you're talking about security stuff. So my platform got a whole big bigger by taking this role. Okay. So, yeah, um, that time in, time in career, I think, is really impactful in terms of where people go. That, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. And I'm thinking of a mutual friend of ours. He's younger than I am, for sure. He's in a practicing CISO role, and prior he was in one, but in between he took a consultancy-type role where he was with one of the smaller outfits that competes with the, the big four, but, but similar sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. And he did kind of an advisory consultancy-type role with them for a while yeah. and saw it as kind of an island of reprieve before he went back into CISOing. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder how much of that is going on where people dip in and out of it. Because I, 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 for example, I dip in and out of pure play practitioner CISO and vendor CISO. I go back and forth across that fence. I've done it more than once now, the vendor side, and I've even had weird hybrid roles that were kind of already sort of vendory and sort of whatever. Yeah. But how many people are doing that CISO to consultancy to CISO to consultancy role, I wonder? And I wonder, you know, he, he characterized it almost as a sanity break. I can completely see it. And I, I do think one of the things for me going from an operational CISO role to this one is I had to get used to not being on call all the time and that sort of adrenaline rush that goes along with being in an operational response kind of role and also having ownership over a strategy in a portfolio, uh, which Mm -hmm. I don't in this role. And so I could see people saying, yeah, I need a break from it, but I've got all this experience in it. So after I'm done having a break from it and and my cortisol levels are back to normal and I'm, I'm sleeping well at night again, maybe I'm ready to jump back in it. Time again. to go mess all that up. <laughs> <laughs> Time for me to age some more and I'm jumping back. Yeah. I love sure. it. So, so aren't there some traps though? Like it, it, it occurs to me and, and, and again, I always make sure to go back to practitioner. And I think part of the reason I do is because I don't want to lose my chops. Right on. As a vendor yeah. CISO right now, I feel like, okay, I'm a practicing CISO still. Like, keep that in mind that I am a practicing CISO, but that's only a portion of my job. A lot of it's, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm involved in shaping the product and all the other things that I do in, on the dark side, as you put it. But the degree of hands-on that I'm doing in this role is much less than if I was a pure play practitioner. And at some point, I'll start to feel like I'm not current. Yeah. Some cool wave of tech has come and gone that my peers have implemented, and I've not, I've not touched hands-on. I've heard of it. I've read about it, but I haven't <laughs> done it. And so at some point, I feel like I have to go back to practitioner just yeah. to make sure I keep my chops. Yeah. And I'm wondering what these advisory CISO roles and these VC consulting CISO roles and these big four consulting CISO roles, like, have you seen anyone make that transition and then stay on that side of the fence and carry it for a long while and be successful? Because I, I don't know that I've seen anyone do that. I haven't been in the space long enough that I've paid attention to it completely. I think it depends on the kind of CISO you were when you left. So I have plenty of CISO friends who are still complete tech geeks. And so even mm-hmm. even in their day-to-day CISO role, they're not completely hands-on tech geeks, but they go mm-hmm. home and they're still messing with whatever the latest tech is and, you know, they, they, they compare the size of their hard drives or whatever they're doing. Right, right. I was never that kind of CISO to start with. I, mm-hmm. was, I had folks who were part of my team and my job was to translate the tech to the business. But I, I was never the kind of CISO that, 
that lived and breathed the tech. And so Mm -hmm. for people like me, I think it's easier to get into that analyst sort of advisory role and still be in that translational role. Mm -hmm. You run the risk of not being close enough to the tech regardless. So, so the, the compensating control for me in this role is I'm trying to surround myself with really techy people so that I learn through osmosis because I can't be the hands-on. But I think if you are that tech first, this is probably a bad way of putting it, but a tech first CISO, I think mm-hmm. you'll be much more likely to go back into the trenches than someone who's not. Right. And and that's that's a conversation we've had on this show numerous times with numerous guests about after a certain point, you can't lead with tech. You can't be a tech first CISO. At some that's point, right. you have to leave that behind. Even if that's how you grew up and got into the game, that's not what's going to sustain you. You have to become more business focused, that translation skill and all that good stuff. Right. But I'm thinking in terms of even broader strokes, right? Like, I, I don't know, imagine that you were a CISO before cloud really hit, and then you mm-hmm. went to becoming an advisor, mm-hmm. and then cloud hit, mm-hmm. and you've never been there for that kind of, you know, like cloud migration, like hybrid environment, you know, all these yeah. different, you know, you've read about these terms and you know philosophically what they mean, but if you weren't there to supervise a cloud migration, even and from a non-technical perspective, like yeah. it's that kind of losing your chops that I worry about whenever I'm not yeah. a pure play practitioner, right? Like I'm like, yep. oh, what, what there's some big cool new thing and I'm not part of it. And I, you know, and maybe some of that's just FOMO. Maybe. I, I also think some of it is when you think about something that's as big as and ubiquitous as cloud, Absolutely, it's a risk. For a lot of some of the really bespoke tech, though, like there are plenty of CISOs who do nothing with ICS SCADA. Like they just don't. That's been going on for forever, but they don't fear missing out on that. That's just not part of their vertical. So I I think there are some pieces of the tech space that you're never going to put your feet into anyway. The Mm -hmm. cloud stuff is a really big deal. And I think one of the problems with COVID in this circumstance is that if you're not in the trenches professionally every day, we would use conferences and roundtables and seminars and those kinds of things, not only for the learning in the official programming, but for the hallway learning and the conversations that you have at a bar at one o'clock in the morning learning. Mm-hmm. And those things aren't happening because of COVID now. You can't jump on a Zoom call and then have a casual conversation for three hours afterwards over a beer. It just doesn't happen. So I think some of the opportunities to keep your fingers in those pies, even if you're not practicing fully, is is a bit of it's a bit of a stretch at the moment. So looking forward to everyone getting vaccinated so we can hurry back into conferences. Right. Just in time for the uh the Zeta variant or whatever. Yeah, right on. You're so optimistic. Damn. Oh, okay. I, you know, standard vir- virology, though. I mean, think <laughs> think about the flu vaccine, right? This is the one that they're basing it on what it was last year and hoping that's the strain this year. And and they're oh, not always right. You sound like you're from security. Doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to get got in the end anyway. Right. Fine. Plan for the worst. Plan for the worst. Plan for the worst. <laughs> Assume the worst. My wife is like, you're paranoid. <laughs> what? My tinfoil hat gave it away? What? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, you're not paranoid enough. <laughs> um, so, just because I'm paranoid. So tell me a little bit more about the, the whole advisory seat of life. And how long, how long have you been in the seat with this new advisory role? Like five months. Walk me through in terms of that, almost that emotional impact of, you mentioned that the cortisol has gone down and that the, 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 the panicky, you know, ready to jerk out of bed at 2 a.m. sharp, you know, instantly alert, you mm. know, probably the caffeine dependency has decreased. Um, yeah. What other, you know, what is it like internally? What's the internal landscape of an advisory CISO? 
Well, first of all, I can only speak to my experience. I'm not sure there's even a, a standardized way of thinking about this through the industry. I, I Before I joined Cisco, I talked to a number of different companies and everyone had a slightly different idea of what the role of an advisory CISO was. So mm -hmm. just like no CISO is the same, no advisory CISO right. is the same either. So caveat that. It's interesting to me because there are certain things that we all talk about as an industry. Zero trust, sassy, cloud, hybrid, working, like all the things, right? Mm -hmm. In an advisory CISO role, you've got to think even ahead of that to sort of say, well, so what? What, what is it about zero trust? What is it about sassy? What is it about the cloud that isn't already being talked about? And we are in this industry where there are these super smart people doing amazing work. So imposter syndrome might be slightly higher in this role than perhaps in the old role. Oh, interesting. Maybe. That's 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 a conversation for another day. But trying to go ahead of that and say, what does our community really need to know? What's what's helpful for them to know is is actually a big part of the job. So some of it is talking to the community and finding out what they're worried about right now. And some of it is talking to other analysts and sort of testing the waters and seeing what everybody else is thinking about. And some of it is just trying to get some head time of your own to go away and think new thoughts. It's wild, actually. And as a CISO who came from higher education, it feels very academic in that regard to me. Like it's going away and saying, hey, I, I'm, I have a hypothesis. I need to test it. What, who can I talk to to see if my hypothesis is right? Let's pause right there for a quick word from our sponsor. The complexity of cloud infrastructure means every organization's security challenges are unique. Whether your challenge is threat hunting, policy management, cloud workload protection, or all of the above, Uptix helps you quickly identify and eliminate observability gaps in your security program. That's Uptix, analytics for the modern attack surface, observability for the modern defender. Check out Uptix by visiting uptix.com. That's U-P-T-Y-C-S dot com. Thank you, Uptix, for sponsoring this episode. I love this idea that you get to do the more formal research aspects of the gig. That sounds that sounds really fun. And I was I was just thinking, even even when I'm on the vendor side of the fence, I still get approached on a regular basis by startups who want feedback. Of course. Mm -hmm. And I've always welcomed those conversations. Even if I know like for the most part they're getting free consulting, I'm getting free education. That's right. That's super forward looking. Like to your point, zero trust, so what? Sassy, so what? What's next? What's coming? What does it mean? What are the flaws with the current model? Like, yay, zero trust replaced these other things before it, but it's not perfect. Right. And to be in front of that wave and to say, okay, I'm going to get out my surfboard and be ready to catch the next wave that doesn't even have a name yet. Yeah. Knowing it's going to be based on the flaws in today's model and methods, right? And those conversations with those startups very often prove to be where that stuff happens. Right. They're, they're solving problems that I didn't even know I had. Yep. In some cases, and I'm kind of like, I don't know if that really is a problem. Yeah. But other times they're solving a problem I didn't know I had that I'm like, oh, my God, I never even saw that as a problem. That was just a, a work habit I was used to, you know. Yeah. I've always walked around that pothole. It never occurred to me to fill it. Yeah. You know? For sure. So, so oftentimes those conversations end up being really great for me. And I wonder, now that you're at Cisco, like – are the startups approaching you or is yeah. that like they're the competition? Are you getting to have those conversations still? I am getting to have those conversations still. So some of it comes down to the fact that the LinkedIn algorithms really suck and I still have CISO in my title and so they reach mm -hmm. out to have a conversation. Uh, right. So some of it's by accident. But no, part of part of the role is to sort of see, well, what is out there? And there is a lot out there, as we all know. There's, there's tons yeah. of startups in the space and trying to work out, you know, where is the need and what are standards groups doing about 
these things as well. Because again, it's not just the startups. You're right. You, you find a lot of that conversation happening there, but it's also standards groups, you know, open ID yep. right now, for example, or the ransomware task force or those kinds yep. of things even, right? And they're not just esoteric conversations that happen in a think tank with no real world implications. We've seen the recommendations of ransomware task force being put into the executive order, which is now trickling down into all the regulations from the Fed. So yes, the startups, we reach out to them and they they come to us as well. For sure. Okay. And I, I guess you've you got that power of, gee, Cisco might acquire me, right? <laughs> yeah, there's some bennies. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm sure that's a bit of an incentive. I, I won't say where I worked, but I once worked for a rather large uh, data services company who just as often, if they found a solution they really liked and it was a solution in the hands of a startup, they would just buy the startup because yeah. they needed the solution in-house. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and companies knew this was happening and it was amazing how many little innovators would come knocking on my door to say, hey, just just, just wanted you to know we exist and do this thing. Yeah. And those were always fun conversations too. Yeah. So I'm going to switch topics a little bit here and go back to a thread uh, and pull on it a little more. We talked about CMO, CFO, CRO, whatever, eventually kind of having CEO as their journey. Mm-hmm. My new role, I'm in my first ever slash CTO role. I am a CISO slash CTO. I don't know how many of those are out there in the world, but I'm one of those now. Yeah. And I'm finding that I'm really enjoying the CTO aspects of the game. And I could see, you know, let's say this startup has a good, clean, successful exit, you know, knock on wood, everything goes exactly like I want it to. Mm. And now I've been CTO at a successful startup. I could easily go and do that again. And then suddenly I could be CEO of a startup. And I, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've realized now that that slash CTO has opened up that you're right. There's this obvious path in front of me. Right. And I'm wondering if I want to maintain the CISO side of it, why can't I, or how do I, or maybe I can't craft a similar path? Like if a CTO can become a CEO down the road, then why, why the heck can't a CISO go straight to CEO? Like what's holding us back? And I wonder what the, what the hang up and the hiccup there is. is. I, I don't think there's any reason why a CISO couldn't become a CEO and not just of a security company, although that might be the logical first place right. that it happens, Right. I actually think the challenge is the perception from other folks. So I think there is a perception from the rest of the C-suite that a CISO is is not next in line to the CEO, that there's right. some level between them, whether that's a CIO or a CTO or a chief financial COO officer or, or somebody, right? There's some other C that has a closer seat to the CEO right now. And so until right. we start seeing CISOs get regularly put directly reporting to a CEO, I don't think they'll mm-hmm. be seen as a successor. I mm-hmm. think that's mm-hmm. I think that's what we're dealing with. Yeah, that's and that's a real good point. We've had that conversation on the show with a number of guests about, you know, who who should who should the CISO be reporting to and why. Yeah. And that's one of the whys. Yes. That that for career progression, like to to always be that, you know, here's the big boardroom, you know, the you're Australian. I don't know if you know the American tradition with Thanksgiving where the kids have their smaller table <laughs> off to the other room and Oh, we have those. all the adults <laughs> <laughs> All the adults are sitting around eating their turkey and the kids are eating hot dogs at the little kid table. And, mm-hmm. and the CISO is always off to the kid table, right? Yeah, right? Like that's kind of the paradigm. Yeah. I like turkey. Yeah. I don't want to eat a hot dog. I want some turkey. Make room over here. I think, though, the role of the CISO is changing. So as I sort of look into the future and I try and look in a crystal ball, I actually think a CISO role is going to merge more closely with privacy and data governance. And I think where we're headed is seeing an executive level role that is responsible for trust. And all those things, security, privacy, data governance, all of those kinds of things will get wrapped up in that role. 
and it will be a honking big C-suite role, and that mm-hmm. will be the path to go. And, you, and your your keyword there is trust, not risk, because I've heard a lot of people say that CISOs are going to be subsumed by the CRO, chief risk officer, not chief revenue officer. Yeah. And you think it'll be a trust function. I think it will depend on the industry where it goes, but over time, I think, yeah, it'll be it'll be trust because I think if you go on the risk side, now you're bumping into things like, well, I'm going to oversee all of our insurance and I'm going to all the traditional things that risk officers have, which is a slightly mm-hmm. different baby. We've certainly been having conversations about the role of physical security with digital security into those yes. and and fraud and how does that relate to the CISO role? And I think all of those things together will roll up. And so you can't just call them risk because it's not risk alone and it's mm-hmm. not privacy alone and it's not governance alone. It's and and you so you go, well, does security exist for security's sake? Unless you're in a security company? No, it's it's for a higher cause. Well, what's the higher cause? Well it's trust. So right. that's where I this, think the path will go. This might be you with your surfboard ahead of that next wave right here. That's Maybe. that's what this one feels like to me. Let's see if your prediction comes true. Well I tell you what, let's record again in exactly five years. <laughs> And uh, we'll see where that shakes out. But I I think that's a good prediction. I think it is a sound prediction. It's it's a sound model and it makes a lot of sense. It's not an original thought, by the way. There are if you go and and sort of Google the future of CISOs, because that's what Mm -hmm. I did going, what's the future of CISOs? This is one of the threads that's getting pulled at the moment. So watch this space. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna keep an eye on that. I've heard I've heard subsumed by the CRO. I've heard morphs into a role that reports directly to the board. I've, I've seen a lot of predictions and I think a lot of them are very optimistic. Like one day we'll be in charge of everything. Um, <laughs> you know? yeah. And I'm like, I don't know about that one. No. Yeah. So um, barring formal exits and formal roles and okay, now I'm going to become an advisory CISO, all these things we've talked about. What other post CISO activities are there that may not be the entirety of a role? And yeah. I'm thinking of things like boards, uh, yeah. teaching, writing, speaking, like, like walk me through some of that stuff that you see is, is it a natural occurrence? Is it part and parcel? Should it be expected? Is there an obligation to these things? Like, what does that Ooh. feel like to you? Yeah, I don't think you have to wait to be a CISO to be to teach, for example. I, I know plenty of folks who are part of my team at Ohio State, and not just because they're at a university, but, you know, they, they'd been in the industry five or six years and they wanted to give back and they thought teaching was a way to do it, but they didn't want to give up their day job. They didn't want to become a full-time teacher, but they became an associate professor or an instructor or whatever. And I did the same thing. I think teaching is is definitely an opportunity. What I see in the in the higher education space is that higher education finally has woken up to the fact that cybersecurity is a discipline independent of any other discipline. It's not just a part of computer science or whatever. Right. Right. They don't have enough teachers. They don't have enough instructors. And so I think there's lots of opportunity. Go go talk to your local community college or four-year college or whoever and offer your services and they'll say, thank God you're here. We needed you about five years ago. So I think teaching is is definitely a thing. doesn't pay a whole lot though. So I, I mm-hmm. think people add it into their portfolio of things they do, but very few of them do that as a, as a full-time gig. But that's certainly an option. I think the board thing is interesting. There aren't many public I'll, – I'll talk about public boards for a second because there's private boards as well. But on the public side – there's no requirement that people sitting on a public board know anything about technology, which blows my mind given that everyone's relying on technology for their bread and butter, right? Right. And so I think you're going to see changes in, we're already starting to see the SEC in the United States, but we're seeing it in other countries as well, start to say to boards, if you're going to really do good governance these days, you need board members who understand systemic IT and information risk. 
as mm-hmm. board members. So I think you're going to start to see positions opening up to people who had CTO and CISO roles that perhaps they wouldn't have been considered for before. So I'm starting to see CISOs join public boards like that. Certainly a lot of CISOs join private boards in sort of an mm-hmm. either a, a sort of a semi-board member kind of role or in more of an advisory role to a company. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of folks do that. And it's also a way of diversifying income, right? So if you've got a day job and they're comfortable with you being able to do a part-time board position, now you've got a separate source of income, Right. It, you know, that, that can be appealing to some folks as well. So definitely I'm seeing people head in those directions as well. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show here. I got a question that I ask every guest. Oh. What surprises you the most in cybersecurity? The people are amazing. And I continue, I, I shouldn't be surprised by this now. I've been working in the industry a really long time, but I will have the privilege of getting to know new people. And you would think security, for those of us who've been in security a really long time, you go, boy, nothing is really new. You know, we're all dealing with the same stuff. Even the breaches of today, well, you if you went back 15 years, we were seeing the same kinds of threat vectors and attack surfaces and blah, 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 15 years ago. Right. But people are doing amazing work and you don't have to look too far to find people doing amazing work. Um, and to your point, they're solving problems I didn't even know we had. And that is always surprising to me because I think as an industry and particularly as someone who spends more time on Twitter than I probably should, I think we have a tendency to be down on ourselves as a profession that, you mm-hmm. know, that we're, that we're not making a difference, that we're, that things aren't changing, that it's, it's an endless hamster wheel of, of angst and stress. And it's not actually. And I need every now and again to remind myself of that. And usually it's somebody who's doing some amazing work that pulls my head back out of my wherever it was and makes me realize that. Yeah. The futility of it all. I think, I think there is a a bit of a CISO echo chamber there, right? Where we all shout into the void, how futile our mission is. And all we hear back is us, us shouting into the void, how futile our mission is. It's good. It's good to remind ourselves of that positive. I think that's a fantastic answer. Well, Helen Patton, Advisory CISO at Cisco, thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now.